Um, just uh, this morning, uh, starting uh, just an initiative that I felt led to do um, over the summer. Uh, we're not quite there yet, I know, but we're getting there. Um, it certainly feels more summer today than it has over the last a few weeks, and um, one of the things that I grew up with in, in, in the church is giving opportunity to hear what God is doing in the life of others. Uh, some of you hear me every week, and uh, you know, uh, I'm telling the same stories now, and you kind of go, that's enough, Stu. And, uh, but God's not obviously, and, and I'm not naive to think that God is not at work within our congregation. He certainly is. And one of the things when I was a youth pastor that was really important as a part of youth ministry and faith formation in, in youth is to let youth see that God is actually at work within the life of other youth. And so testimonies was just a part of youth ministry because not only did it build the faith of the young person, but it also inspired faith in others. And so this morning, I'm going to give opportunity to a couple that I will introduce in just a moment to come and share with us um, their testimony. Before I do that, I want to challenge you to consider that maybe God has laid something on your heart to share with us as a community of faith. Now, the board won't let me get away with just inviting anyone up here uh, without scrutiny and cross-examination of your theology. I'm just kidding. Uh, however, if you are such a person, I would love to hear from you and would like to incorporate you and include you in our worship service over the next few months moving forward. Uh, about, uh, I think it's probably two or three months ago, I met with Dave and Diane Ripley, and we, uh, we enjoyed some lunch together, if I remember right. And uh, as I was sitting and we were talking together, it just struck me as they were sharing how faithful God has been in their life and how deep an appreciation they have for the grace of God. And as we sat there, as is my nature, I'm sometimes impulsive, uh, I said, you know, I think that people can really be encouraged by what God has said and done in your life. And so this morning, I've given them the liberty to come and share, and they have received the, uh, the invitation with much grace. And so to make them both feel at, at home, because none of them enjoy sitting in front of people, as most of us don't, uh, why don't we just put our hands together for Dave and Diane? And you can sit on these pretty chairs right here. The interrogation chair. The interrogation chair. <laughs> and maybe I should get my notes. Okay, here we go. So I'll hand that to you, sir. Looking fine. I'm glad you dressed up. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dave and Diane, you've been a part of this community for a number of years. I'm wondering if you could just, um, as a means of telling and sharing a little bit about yourself um, and your connection to Skyview over the years, uh, just a little bit of your own life story and uh, how it's intersected with this faith community. <laughs> um, I guess we started coming in, what, 1990. Four, something around there. So we've been, here. we've been here for a while now. And uh, we've seen lots of changes. Lots of people come and go. And it's kind of neat to see the there's a core group that have kind of stuck it out. And uh, I guess um, I've been involved with the church probably pretty much since we started coming. I, we were, I was involved in the sound setting up and tearing down. And then I got involved with the worship group. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Good. What do you want to say? <laughs> um, 
Yeah, we started in 1994, and I'll echo what you said, Dave. Um, there are people that have been here the whole time, uh, the Schwartzes and a number of other families as well. And um, I'm, I feel blessed to be a part of this church family um, every day. I feel blessed, and uh, I help out with the, the media every now and then, so that's my involvement with the church. And we bring our grandchildren here, and uh, we're thankful for each and every one of you guys. So, Thank you. Thank you. Uh, when we sat together at that meal and um, uh, we talked a little bit, uh, I realized that uh, both of you were in a season of your life. You've just recently retired, uh, and uh, there's lots happening in your lives, even as we sit here, that many people won't know about. And so I, I recognize you can't share all of that. But certainly when we got together and we talked, it was evident to me how God has been working in both of your lives. And I'm just wondering if you would want to share both just individually how God has been working in your life as you look back over the years, and also what God has done in you as a, as a couple. Maybe I'll start. Sure. <laughs> um, I uh, was born and raised until the age of 10 years old in the um, Anglican Church. Um, at the age of 10 years old, my dad died. Um, very traumatic for our family. Um, but interestingly enough, it was the Church of the Nazarene that reached out to our family. And we started going, I started going to the Church of the Nazarene uh, all those years ago. And, uh, but having lost my dad was traumatic and I quite honestly um, became angry with God at that time. Um, at that age, I met a very good friend. Uh, her name is Judy Harder. Uh, a year later, so at the age of 11, I met her and we stayed friends through the years. Um, but I stayed away from God. She got closer to God, and I stayed away from God. And I told her at the time, we had lunch with him last week, and she reminded me that I, you know, had a tough time forgiving a God that would take my dad from me. Um, fast forward 20 years, and she called me up one day, and her husband had graduated from CNC. He was going to become a pastor uh, at a Nazarene church. God is wonderful. He is, he's, uh, the way he works in our lives. And she goes, oh, and he's coming to Calgary. He's going to preach, be a pastor in Calgary. And I said, great. Where's he going to be a pastor? Oh, 17th Avenue, literally a five minute walk from my house. <laughs> so I was excited beyond words that they were moving to Calgary. Um, to give the Coles Notes version through there, through their lives, through their love of God, I came back to God at the age of 32 um, and recommitted my life to God at that point. Um, it was February 24th of 1991. Um, that The morning that I gave my life to God, recommitted my life to God, Dave sang a song in church. It was called, He's All You Need. Um... We started dating, I think, a month later. I had to ask him out. He was too shy to ask me out. Uh, <laughs> we were married later that year, and in July, we will celebrate our 23rd anniversary. We had both been married previously. I had a son. He had two daughters. Um, and in my mind, I had this vision of we were just going to be this perfect family. <laughs> I don't need to tell you that that's not how it, you know, <laughs> the reality is there were lots of challenges with the blended family, um, bringing, 
you know, marriage itself is enough of a challenge, but bringing the blended family together was a challenge. But through God's grace, because we both loved God, God has kept us together through these years. I believe that with all of my heart, through all of the challenges that we've faced, he has been there and um, it continues to be there. We have um, been blessed with six beautiful grandchildren between us. Uh, two of them are here today. Um, I just, my message, what I want to say to you today is it is not through anything that we've done. We've been faithful, yes, but it's through God's grace. It's through, um, it's everything that he has done in our lives and we've allowed him to do in our lives that we're still together, that we're still here. And um, I'm thankful for that. So that's my message. It's not what I've done. It's what he's done in our lives. So, Amen. Thank you. Well, I don't know what to add to that. <laughs> you stole it all. <laughs> I'll just say that uh, I was going to the church before Diane started and her friends Brian and Judy were there. And uh, we went out cold calling one day. <laughs> and, uh, you know, not, it's challenged you know you know Dave, people have no idea what cold calling is uh, it's, it sounds it sounds door. like calgary but maybe <laughs> explain what that means it was actually nice out okay <laughs> uh, just going door to door trying to you know tell the people about our church and what we do and invite them to come to church and stuff and brian set me up <laughs> he told me, oh, you should go to, you go to those houses there, and I'll go over here. So the first house I went to was Diane's. <laughs> and, and then he comes around over, and he introduces us, and it was kind of cool. It was fun. It was, like Diane said, uh, you know, bringing a blended family together is, I'm not sure exactly what we thought it was going to be. I don't think we thought too much about it. We just thought, you know, we'll, we'll be happy and play together nicely. But it really brought us together. You know, now we're all really good friends. We, you know, my stepson was, me and him had some you know, challenges. And now we're great friends. We talk and he's, you know, says, hey, you were right about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like I always say, the older I get, the smarter my dad is. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. But like like Diane said, but by the grace of God, you know, He's brought us through a lot of things. And, you know, we could have gone many directions, and sometimes I think I sort of did go off a few degrees from center, you know. And but He's always brought us back, and we've always, you know, we've had we've had our moments, that's for sure. Yeah. But it's. Thank you for sharing that. Just one last question, and just feel free to share from your comfort level on this. Um, is there anything particular we can pray for? I, um, I am aware that this has been a difficult season uh, in your lives, but as a community of faith, as uh, we heard the faithfulness of God in your life, we also want to remind you, and you know this, you've actually alluded to this, the significance that a community of faith plays in your own life, and we would like to be able to remember and pray for you and so are there anything particular that you'd like to share with us that uh, we can keep you in prayer for? Hmm. <laughs> I wasn't going to do this. 
Uh, just recently, I found out that uh, my brother was found dead in Edmonton. And it was actually over a year ago that it happened. And he, he decided that he was going to live on the street. And he made some decisions. I'm not going to really go into the details, but he had no identification on him at all. And the only way they were able to find out who he was was through his fingerprints. And uh, so we just recently found out about that. Like, we've been struggling for years to try to help him with his addictions. And so, yeah, we really, our whole family would really appreciate your prayers and your thoughts. As we, we are, for anybody who's wondering, we are planning to do a memorial service. And I'll talk to you a little more about the details and stuff. So um, June 26th or 21st, we're going to have a try and get do a service. And anybody that knows Brian, he touched a lot of lives. Brian Ripley. Um, and I, you know, for my personal, myself, I'm going to be going in for some shoulder surgery on June 6th. So I you know, appreciate you thinking about me and certainly I really appreciate this family I really feel like it is a family and it's been nice getting to know the, all the worship teams and the people that are involved and it's been it's been good and I really appreciate and I know that I can tell you guys pray for me because I wouldn't be able to get through all this stuff in my life without you guys ma'am thank you Dave <clears throat> um there are two things that I would like your, your prayer for. Um, I feel when I am praying and I'm in the word is when I am, um, I'm most at peace. Uh, and when I don't do those things, I have this sense of unease of, you know, discomfort, however, you, whatever words you want to use. So I just want to pray that, um, that I would continue to, um, focus on prayer and God's word in my, in my life, in our life together. And, um, also for my son's marriage, um, I just feel a real strong, I, I believe in the power of prayer and I would just ask for, you know, just as other marriages have struggled, that people would pray for marriages, my son's marriage, our, our kids' marriages. Um, but just, um, you know, that God would strengthen them, give them the strength to get through the difficulties that come with the, with the marriage. So. Amen. Thank you. Well, thank you for sharing that. And let me just take a moment to pray. And I'd ask our congregation to join us, uh, join me in prayer for the two of you. And thank you for taking this step of faith uh, to sit in front of this, this group and share your hearts and your life with us. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that... Um, you are faithful to us even in seasons of life where our faithfulness is questionable. We thank you that you are a God that sees us through every season of life and according to your word you have promised that you will be with us and that you will never leave us. And so we do pray your blessing upon Dave and Diane and their respective families. We ask that you would continue to lead and guide them and continue to assure them that you are with them. You haven't promised that life will always be easy and that there will not be disappointments and even failures. But we thank you so much that we can count upon you, 
The scriptures tell us that you are yesterday, today, and forever the same. You are unchanging, and you are the constant within our life. And so to you we give thanks for Dave and Diane. We ask in particular for that which they've brought before us as a community of faith, that you would lay it upon our hearts to remember to pray for them. In particular, we thank you for the life of Brian. And we ask, Lord, that as family comes together to grieve, to mourn the loss, and to celebrate his life, that your grace would be evident in powerful ways with them. And now we continue to ask that your will would be done in their marriage as parents and as grandparents. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you. Thank you. Now, we made an agreement that however long they go, I will consequently shorten my sermon in relation to that. And uh, (laughs) you are welcome, Kelly Shorts. Uh, (laughs) um, And so I am going to do exactly that, just share with you very briefly um, some thoughts from Scripture. This concludes uh, a series that I have uh, entitled for such a time as this, and I believe that um, we are in a significant time as a community of faith. And so I would like to just very quickly read uh, Joshua chapter 24 from verse 14 through to 27, and um, ask that you would follow along on the screen or in the bulletin, and then I will share with you very briefly just some observations from the Scripture. Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord, to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. And Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. But the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and healed your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him a third time. And on that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people. And there at Shechem, he reaffirmed for them the decrees and laws. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. And then he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak near the holy place of the Lord. See, he said to all the people, this stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all the words the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. Then Joshua dismissed the people, each to their own inheritance. Dare I say, very simply, that one of the most significant tasks of the church is learning how to pass on our faith. 
dare I say that we can be very concerned sometimes about things that doesn't really matter to God, but this is one that certainly does. From the old through to the new, God impresses upon the community of faith the importance, the significance, the imperative nature of learning how to pass on that which we believe to be true to those who will come behind us. It is easy for us to have Christian faith that is centered upon my experience and my personal life in this moment. But a Christian spirituality that is carried forward from the Old Testament and finds its meaning in Jesus in the New Testament teaches us this, that what we do in relationship to God, how we serve Him now, matters not only to the relationship that He wants to have with us, but has the potential to impact the relationships of those whom God has entrusted to your and to my care. Now, not everyone here is a parent, and so you may think, I'm off the hook. This is only about those who have children and passing that on to them. No, a Christian community is called to be a community that thinks about the others in a particular way, that they are the ones whom God desires to instill the very same faith that has saved you and me. Now, this particular passage is an interesting one. I mean, when when I did the research, I got so excited because I thought I could teach you new things potentially about this, like the meaning of Shechem and how Abraham was the first time that God made a commitment to him at this very place and how that Jacob stood in the same line and did the same things. And I could blow your minds and you could think, wow, he did some work in preparing this sermon. But all that to say this, I think there are three things that this particular text teaches us about how to pass on our faith. The first is simply this. In the beginning of chapter 24, Joshua recounts the faithfulness of God and tells the people before he invites them to renew their covenant that as they think about what God has done, they ought to respond because he can be trusted. If you're going to be a good parent, if you're going to be a good Christian, if you're going to be, and you and I are going to be the kinds of people in a church that is going to live a faith that gets passed on, do you know that I'm interrupting my own thought, I'm sorry. But do you know that culturally today, the greatest growing number of people in this category is uh, in, in the religious or the non-religious category are people who have no religious affiliation, no belief in God. Did you know that? Did you know that one of the reasons why we see that growing category is because no religion has been passed on? No faith has been transferred. Dare I say to you today, that one of the ways we ensure that the church continues to thrive and that God's kingdom continues to be extended is becoming people who are intent on making sure that we tell our church, our family, our children, those whom we have influence over, we give them a witness of what God has done in the past. You know, when Joshua stands in front of those people, he says, listen, God was faithful to Abraham when you were not. God opened and parted the sea so that the Israelites could pass through. This God God provided for you in the desert when you had nothing to eat, both food and drink. He can be trusted. And because he can be trusted, you too must trust him the very same way. And one of the keys to passing on faith to our children is to recount biblically what God has done. It is this reason why our children's ministry cannot simply be about entertaining your children. 
It is this reason why our children's ministry cannot simply be about keeping your kids safe while you enjoy the fantastic earth-shattering worship and preaching in the service. That is why our children and youth ministry cannot simply be about entertaining your kids. Your kids can be entertained in many and various ways. This is why this church ought to be about passing on the faith through teaching our children the stories of God, for in the stories of the old and the new, we see that God has been faithful. Now that's one point. Remembering is essential to passing on faith, but subsequent to remembering is this, that you and I too must be living witnesses of what God has done in us. Our children, our friends, our families need to be able to see in us this real, true, authentic faith. It is one thing to tell children about what Moses did, what Abraham did, what David did, how they trusted, how God was faithful, but it is something completely different to how a child is impressed and impacted when you and I, when those who have influence upon, look at our lives and see in us a faithfulness to this God, a testimony and a witness that God has been with us and has done significant things in and through us. I met with a a gentleman, a fellow South African, uh, on Friday for, for coffee. And um, I went to Good Earth, I think, for the first time. It's not bad coffee. I hope it's fair trade, and I mean that sincerely. I didn't, I didn't do research, but I was invited there. And I sat down, and I was, uh, was talking to him, and we were talking about a whole bunch of stuff. And then he said this to me. He told me a couple of stories about how God has worked in his life and, and what God was doing. And then he said, you know what, Stu, you know what we do, what I do? He says, I actually write out how God has acted in previous times in my life, me and my wife. We recount the stories and we write it out nice, neatly and, and, and wonderfully as best we can. And then we frame those stories and we put it up in our homes. And he says, we, we do it first and foremost to remind ourselves in, in, in times when we need reminding that God was faithful, that God is, and I thought, what a brilliant idea. He says, and what it's also done is when people come into our homes and they see these things, they ask the question, what is this about? <laughs> and he says, it's become a means of me being able to share what God has done. And you see, this is the key. You know, people can stand on the outside of Christian community and say, man, you guys, you guys are suffering, you're struggling. Uh, pe- you, you, you can sit inside the church and say, man, the church ought to be doing more. And dare I say that this is one of the most critical places where the work of the church must be done more effectively and more intentionally. We need to take responsibility for passing on our faith by having a deep faith ourselves. You know what Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Dare I say this, before we think about strategies to reaching others, are we thinking about how how we are formulating faith within our homes, with our children? How are we formulating faith within this community? How are we showing kids what it means to be faithful to God? There's two areas in my observation in which faithfulness to God can be expressed. One is in the home. Uh, One of the most fundamental places where faith can be shaped, instilled, and taught, experienced, and incarnated, and I can go on, but it is in the home. Whether you're a single parent or whether you're married, you have the ability to influence and establish within the minds of your children 
a sense of what it means to be faithful by being faithful to the Lord. And if you're married, let me say it to you this way. When you are faithful in your marriage, you're teaching some, your children something that the world will never teach them, that we are committed to one another until death us separate. I want you to understand that to be faithful to God has to be modeled. It has to be shown. That's the first place in your home. The second place where faithfulness is shown and demonstrated powerfully is in the church. We need faithful Christian people in the church. We need people who are committed to a community of faith. It doesn't have to be our community. Of course, I will say to you, it should be because we're awesome. I, I, I will convince you if, you if you take me out to coffee that you should. But can I say this to you? If you don't live here and you're not in our influence, that this is one of the places where we teach faithfulness is by being committed and faithful to a community of faith. People say to me, I don't need the church to worship. Dare I challenge you to believe this, that there's no way you can be a Christian in and of yourself by yourself. It is the first step towards demise. It's the first step towards losing the vitality that comes only when you're in a worshiping community with others who proclaim and profess the same thing. If we want to pass on this faith, not only must we do it in our homes, but we must do it in the way we worship and in our commitment to the local church, to which all people say, amen. And if you can't say amen, say ouch. Not only do we pass on our faith by embodying this faith, by becoming people who tell and teach others about the faithfulness of God in our lives. You know, I, I only have my own life to draw from and, and, and the experience with my children. Um, they love me to tell stories. They usually want to hear stories of when I failed or did something wrong because that brings them much more joy than, than great stories of faith. My daughters in particular love the story I tell about how um, this girl broke my heart when I was young. I don't know why children delight in our pain like that. And yet I recognize that as I tell these stories to our children, that they have the remarkable ability to remember. They keep me honest. In fact, when I retell the story and I miss a detail, they're like, Dad, but didn't this happen? And then I got to go and fix it and tell them the story again. And uh, Lauren is now at the age where she's asking really hard questions, theological questions that no pastor's kid should ever ask, but they do. And what I'm finding is I'm in dialogue with my children about matters of faith and life more and more. What I desire is to do what Joshua does, maybe symbolically, which is he invites the people to make this commitment. He challenges them that they, in fact, cannot live up to it. And then he he comes back at them and they say, we will. And then he says, okay, if you will, I will write it down and I will bring a big stone and I would put it at this very same place where Abraham and Jacob knelt and I will put it here as a witness that you have made this commitment. And as I think about the scripture, you know, and I think about how we pass on our faith, you know, remembering is important. Being the example in home and in the church and in all parts of our life to what it means to be faithful is essential. But I think there's also something to be gleaned from the scripture that teaches us we have the ability to impart symbols, icons, things in the life of our children that remind them 
of this great God and what he desires. Um, if you study Joshua, you'll find that they loved, they loved gathering stones. Uh, <laughs> anybody want to be in that business? Anybody in that business? They, 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 they crossed the Jordan and God says, now I want you to go back and gather 12 rocks from the Jordan and erect it at Gilgal so that one day when what? When your children ask, what do these stones mean? You can tell them what God has done. Why? Because we don't always cross the Jordan. Because sometimes we find ourselves far removed from where God did great things. Not because God has stopped doing great things, but because we have moved on in our journey. And these rocks are intended not just for your sake as a reminder, but for those who you and I have authority and power over to bring us back to, to, to let us remember that man God has been great what, what are some of the symbols what are some of the symbols in your life that bears witness that bears witness to this God you know uh, we, we, when we meet this in, in the mornings to pray together uh, we, we talk about the scripture and I joke with our group but quietly I'm actually being honest I love meeting with them and discussing the scripture I'm going to preach on because they have great insights and they help me to fill in the blanks. You know, sometimes I'm not quite sure how to say something and, and the insights help me. And so I asked, the, you know, several questions this morning. And, and some of the thoughts that come to my mind is, 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 that, is that there's nothing that makes an impression upon our children more, whether we recognize this or not, but where we invest the majority of our time. If you want to know, in a, in a culture of many idols, many things that we can worship, the one way we discern what we worship is in how much time we devote to certain things. What does your time teach your kids? Is it a symbol that testifies to the priority of God in your life? It is a symbol that says, He is Lord and I will serve Him. Is it something that ultimately makes a stronger point than anything you can say is in how much time you devote to this God relationship, this vitality of living in faith, this commitment to worship and to abide to pray and to live as one for whom he has died. One of the greatest symbols of our life is what we do with our time. We indicate the priority of God or the lack thereof. We show our children, we teach our children what truly matters by how we invest, how we use, what kind of time, you know, we, 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 what kind of things we make ourselves available to. Uh, listen, let, let, me, let, let me be honest. I, I don't think I am suggesting to you that, that you have to be on your knees 24 hours a day. Although I would say scripturally, God does ask prophets to do some remarkably strange and weird things. But I do believe this that your life will be a symbol either to the priority of God or it would say this, that God is not significant enough to become more important in my life that I would be intentional in serving and worshiping and doing His will than I am with all the other priorities that may come into my life. If we want to pass on a faith to our children that says, listen, this God through Christ died for you and demands all of your life for Him, then it must be very, very, very relevant and demonstrated in how we worship him. What kind of symbols do we have? 
Um, I will close with this. And I will suggest to you that for such a time as this is a community of faith, that God is shaping and forming us. Uh, someone sent me a great article this week, and they said, you know, how to maintain longevity in ministry. It's a good article to have for pastors. And, um, but you do wonder why someone sends it to you, right? <laughs> I just attribute it to the Holy Spirit. You know, God's saying to me, Stu, you need longevity in ministry. Yeah. One of the things that, that, that really struck me really struck me in this is that it was so simple and yet so profound and so important. And, and one of the things that it simply made an assertion of that this pastor could be at this church for 30 plus years and big church and successful ministry, baptized over 17,000 people in his ministry years. I said, Lord, I want that kind of longevity. Not the number, I want that kind of longevity. I want to be a part of the walk of faith. I want to see people come to know Jesus. And one of the things that he simply says is, I've always maintained the vitality of my relationship with Jesus as my priority, as the most significant thing to my leadership. Dare I say this to us, for those who are expecting children and for those who have children, in your desire to give your children the world, you will give them nothing of lasting significance if you do not live as a surrendered person to the Lord. It is not as much what you say. Some people will say to me, Stu, I didn't go to Bible college. If they ask hard questions, what do I say? Go ask the pastor. Didn't they teach you that in Sunday school? You see, the life of faith is not a life that has all the answers. The faithful life is the life that leans in all the more to God and demonstrates that faith is most evident when we go through hard times or seasons of joy that He is still the object of our worship. I look at that little baby that you hold, Brad, and the question I ask is, who will? Who will pass on the faith? I look at some of us here, and, 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 and I'm younger than some and older than others, right? But I ask the question is, will my life matter beyond my existence in a way that truly makes a difference? And I wonder what kind of church we will be when we have a faith that is not just about you and me, but it is the sa- for the sake of others. I-, I get excited about that. I get excited about that. This is the kind of church, I believe, that, 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 that is going to see a, an awakening of God's Spirit. We're going, to see, we're going to see children not leave when they've got tired of the gimmick. Uh, we're going to see teens who, who recognize there's something substantive here. It's proven in the life of families. Listen, there are myriads of books written on why people leave the church at the age of transition from adolescence into young adulthood. There are many reasons, and I'm not going to pretend to simplify all this except to say this. Dare I say that we have not passed on the faith well to those whom God has entrusted to us. For those of us who have young children, for those of us who will have young children, and I, thanks be to God, I am done. I have done my share to extend the kingdom in that way. But for those of you to come 
and there are many amongst us, I pray that one of the biggest priorities, one of the biggest gifts you will give your children is a true embodied faith. It will make the world a difference. This morning, as I spoke about remembrance as important, we come to the table. We call it the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist. Um, the Lord's table, it is a table in which we are invited to remember the death and the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is a table that Christ himself instituted by saying, do this often. You need to be reminded of just how much I've done for you. And so it is a table that invites us to come in a particular way as ones who recognize what Christ has done for us. And so this morning, I'd like to invite those who I'm asked to come and serve, to come and take your places. And I'd invite our worship team to come as you prepare to lead us. And uh, you don't have to be a member of Skyview Church to participate in the Lord's Supper. Um, but we do ask that you consider then the meaning of this for, you, for your life. Do, do you participate as one who believes in what Jesus Christ has done? Do you uh, participate as one who has faith in the grace that has been given to you? And as uh, the song plays in just the next few moments, I ask that you would come from the inside or the, the center aisle and receive the elements. And once you've received the elements, I ask that you would be seated um, and then wait to participate together as a community of faith. We do have gluten-free for those of you who cannot participate elsewhere. As we get ready to, to receive, we take a moment now to prepare our hearts. Lord Jesus, uh, I do pray that we would be a, a community of faith that passes on the testimony of God's grace and mercy. It is a choice. It is a choice that we must make. As, 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 as Joshua says, as for me and my house, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what you're thinking, but, but as for me and my house, I want to serve the Lord. I pray that this morning that would be the commitment of this community of faith for those whom you've entrusted to us. I pray that it would be the commitment of parents to children. And so as we come now, may we come as ones who renew our commitment to you. In Jesus' name. Would you come now and receive from the Lord?